Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, a podcast for business owners to give you the confidence to embrace your numbers and to help you put simple practices in place to make your business financial life easier. We are here to support you as your business grows and as you become financially fit. I am your host, Stacey Price, founder and owner of Healthy Business Finances. And yes, I am a totally self-confessed numbers nerd, loud and proud, an accountant, a business owner, and someone who believes that education is the best form of self-defense. So let's do this and get stuck into today's episode. I hope you love it. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, the podcast to help business owners overcome their financial fears. Today, we are talking to Kate O'Mealy from Oh My Word, editor, copywriter, business mentor, and someone who can spot a typo a mile away. And can we just take a moment to appreciate that Kate has been running her business for 16 years. That is like a lifetime in the small business world. In fact, I think Kate started her business before I even knew what an entrepreneur was. On today's episode, we'll be chatting about Kate's 16-year journey from side hustle to holy smokes, people want to pay for this service, to launching legal action to protect her brand, to being able to emotionally detach from the money stresses small business can bring. Kate, thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. And before we start talking about the fact that you have been in business for 16 years, which in any landscape is pretty bloody amazing, let alone the current one, I would love to you, for you to share a little bit about your business and what it is that you do. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I always sort of giggle when people say 16 years because my business today is very, very, very different to what it looked like when I first started. My business is called Oh My Word and I'm a freelance copywriter, editor and small business mentor. But when I started back in 2004, I didn't, it was the days of pre-side hustle and all those sort of buzzwords. Yeah, I was working in a corporate role and just needed to do a little bit of something fun on the side. So I was writing for, you know, my friend's projects or businesses and that's morphed into a full-time gig all these years later. So it was very much a side hustle or side business, so to speak. And then it became a bit of a part-time thing and now it's all I do. So yeah, it's certainly evolved. I love that you say that it started as a side hustle because I think 16 years ago, I probably didn't even know what a small business was because nobody in my family ran a small business. None of my Mm. friends had a small business. I think Mm -hmm. the thing was you went to uni and you got a job and that was a job somewhere else. So I love yep. that part of your story is I think your brother told you to go and get an ABN when, when you had a lot of people ask for your services. I think that's fabulous. Yeah. So I was very much a reluctant small business owner. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things. And I'm, prob- I'm probably a little bit, well, I am. I like to still think I'm pretty nice, but I just sort of do it for mates. And I go, oh, no, no, it's just I've got the skills. I'll just do it. Not even mates rates. I'll just do it for free. And then the more it happened, my brother said, you know what, you should actually charge for that. Like people will happily pay for that. And I was like, oh, no. and similarly, Stace, like I didn't know anybody that had a business, let alone a freelance business, which is all over the shop these days. I didn't have really the confidence to go out and sort of pitch myself to say with confidence, yep, this is what I'm about. This is what I do. This is what I offer. No way. So it was sort of, yeah, my brother sort of pushing me along a little bit to go, just get yourself an ABN. And I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't cost much or anything. 
you know, and then I registered a business name and one of the girls from work came up with the business name and so I can thank her for all my work. And, wow. yeah, sort of it just steamrolled from there. Snowballed. Well, that's great because I think there's a lot of misconception that as soon as you start a business, obviously you've spent 10 years planning it and your whole family must be entrepreneurs and mm. it's been handed down in some miscellaneous gene inside of us. And mm-hmm. certainly for me, you know, nobody in my family run a business. I didn't know anyone like we've mentioned. So sometimes it's really hard to take that first step and go, I'm going to move away from everything I've known, which is, I guess, that corporate life or that mm-hmm. corporate role and just launch headfirst into this business. Did you feel a little bit of fear? going into that or did you just it snowballed so quickly that 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 didn't quite catch up with you to be honest it was very much a slow burn so even though getting that initial stuff set up so the abn and all those sorts of things it really was just a bit of an ad hoc project when someone said oh i need someone to help on my website or i need a flyer and i'm like oh i can do that yep i can do that and you know i would charge them for it but it was all very relaxed you know, I did have a website. I'm so glad that that's hidden somewhere in the in the internet because <laughs> it was horrendous. Website, um, yeah, just like, yeah. You know, like that, yeah. And I didn't spruik myself to anybody. It was more just word of mouth. And you know, I still worked in corporate roles for another ten years. So even though it was 16 years ago, yeah, it wasn't like I was like right. You know, first of January. This is me. I'm, you know, throwing myself all in. It was, yeah, a real slow burn and building up that confidence, building up all the skills and the contacts in that corporate career has totally paid off in the last sort of six years of my business that I know exactly what sort of best practices in terms of copywriting and marketing and all those sorts of skills. Like when you've got big budget, this is what you do with it, but equally going, okay, well, how can I? adapt that to a small business environment for my own and also for my clients to say, this is still best practice, but this is how we can implement it in a cost-effective way. And these are the things that the big ticket things that we should focus on and the rest is just noise sort of thing. So I think, yeah, it was probably 10 years of slow burn. And then I'd say the last five or six years has really just gone great guns. Year on year, it just gets bigger and bigger and more people returning, returning customers and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a really interesting, dare I say, journey. (laughs) Journey, which is definitely not over. But I want to go back to when you did first start and quite often a lot of clients who we do speak to, numbers are not necessarily their jam when they start their business, especially in what I would deem a creative space. Words for me are definitely Mm -hmm. a creative space. How did you feel around the financial side and the money side and the numbers side when that wasn't, I guess, your core activity? But it's obviously something you have to deal with when you run a business. Yeah, I I think in one word, I was terrified. And a couple of reasons for that. I think coming from in high school and as a kid, I didn't really learn too many really solid skills around managing money. It was very much learning those sorts of things on the fly. So when it came to having a business, I just didn't want to do the wrong thing. So I played everything very safely. I made sure I had very, very low overheads in terms of the way I managed my money, but also tracked all my invoices. I was, you'll laugh, Stacey, I was an Excel spreadsheet and it was basic, basic, you know, like I'd 
And I always would sort of laugh it off in a lot of ways going, you know, I'm a word person, not a numbers person. But particularly when I didn't go back to corporate work after having my kids or my first child and was, you know, working really hard on the business and it was growing, I knew an Excel spreadsheet wasn't going to cut it and I needed to up my game. And I've gone from being very risk averse, very nervous about money, talking about money and worried about money, you know, a lot of the times in the early days, it's just getting myself organized, particularly using accounting software. My goodness, going from Excel to accounting software, what a, what a ride. (laughs) But it's been, that has probably been one of the biggest game changers in going from this, I sort of say dinky little side gig in the early noughties to today. Yeah, it's so much more efficient so much more on top of where I'm financially being able to track and plan ahead and anticipate when there's going to be peaks and troughs, which is a massive issue for many freelancers. It's totally, yeah, you know, in terms of professionalism, yeah, just being able to feel so much more confident about where I'm at in the business and where the business is going. Yeah, just adds that extra string to your bow and and makes me feel so much more confident about how my business is tracking. It's so interesting because we get so many comments from people who've held out for so long to implement accounting software. And that could be a a range of softwares. We don't pinpoint it down to a Mm -hmm. certain thing, but they put it off for so long thinking it won't make that much of a difference. And we love hearing stories where people go, you know, just the fact you don't have to chase up an invoice or that everything's Mm -hmm. automated. So you don't need to look in several Mm -hmm. places to find the invoice or who you sent it to or what date. So I love hearing those stories because obviously I talk about it a lot, but it's nice to hear other people talk about it as well. But I think my accounting and that sort of stuff, the amount of time that it saved me in terms of manually using an Excel spreadsheet and then going back and going, right, have they paid me, you know, manually cross-checking that against my bank transactions and then going, oh, no, they haven't paid. I'm going to have to email them, like all of those sorts of things. I just think the amount of hours that I've gotten back in my life for not, for not having to do that now um, and it all being automated. Yeah. Huge game changer. Yeah. And look, don't get me wrong. I am an Excel nerd and I love a good Excel spreadsheet, but it's very rare that we see a really good kick-ass Excel spreadsheet that does everything we would like it to do. So I think there's only so far that you can mm. go with Excel and so much help or time that it's saving you before it kind of tips you over mm-hmm. the edge and, and you look at that Excel sheet and you think, please, I just don't want to touch it. Like it's, it's not helping me in any way. Totally. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next topic I want to talk about is success. And obviously success to everyone is, is so different. We don't pinpoint that on a certain dollar value. It could be the fact that business is humming along. And I really want to touch on the fact that you have so many of your clients coming to you via word of mouth. And also mm-hmm. that if you don't have availability, they are willing to wait because I think that is such an amazing thing that you have built up. So can you touch on where those clients find you and the fact that they're willing to wait around for you? Yeah, I think, I guess the nature of a lot of the work I do is project-based. So for instance, if it's a website, I'll be working with a client for six to eight weeks in the planning and development of that. And then I might not get them back again for a while, particularly if it's a a new startup. So what I'm finding in terms of clients that 
you know, new clients that approach me is that a former client has had a great experience. They've spoken to a friend and said, oh, you know, I've been working with Kate on my website and she made it really easy. And so I've had someone email me and say, oh, I got your details from Samantha and she had a great experience. She did her website 18 months ago. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. So that sort of word of mouth has been particularly helpful. There's been a few networking groups that I'm a part of where, again, putting my name out there and saying this is what I do and being front of mind for people when they do need my services. I think as well, just particularly in networking groups and within my regional community, sort of just being on the front foot and letting people know that you're here. Because again, like you're not necessarily going to need my skills every month, but when you do need it, you're sort of like, who do I know that does that copywriting? Who do I know that could write me a brochure or or a website or, or a blog or whatever? I think, yeah, it's sort of twofold. So the word of mouth, but also me sort of building that profile within my networks and community. One of the clients that I'm working with at the moment came through a previous client, so friend friend. And when I said to them, look, I've, I'm actually in the middle of another project at the moment and won't be able to pick this up, you know, until it was probably about four weeks out. I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to work on it with you, but our, our timing's going to align because they initially sort of said that they needed it quite quickly. And they said, oh, well, you know, I said, well, I'm happy to either refer you onwards to another amazing copywriter or we can wait for four weeks. And she said, well, I'd prefer to wait for four weeks because I know my friend had such a great experience working with you. And I was like, wow, (laughs) I probably, I'm glad we were on the phone because I was really a bit blushing and a bit chuffed going, that for me is a huge success that your previous clients are singing your praises. Like that's really all I want with happy clients. And I think so many times as a small business owner, often we work alone. Often we don't hear that. We don't have a massive team. We don't have a boss. We Mm. don't have a manager to give us a performance review every six months or 12 months. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you can forget that even though people haven't come back and worked with you, they were obviously very, very happy. It's just that they may not have needed you again. Correct. Yeah. And I think you're right in terms of working solo. Yeah, you don't get that reassurance from colleagues or a boss to go, yep, you're on the right track and yep, you did a really good job with that. Generally, no news is good news. If you've got a happy client that signed off on all the copy and your website's live and they've moved on and they've got a thriving business, then my job here is done. So yeah, you're not always going to get that feedback in the traditional sense. So to have that conversation and to someone say, no, specifically, we want to work with you, Kate, rather than just anybody that can do this service. Yeah, it was. It felt like a little pat on the back for a few years of trying to get that rapport with people and, yeah, that sort of promotion within my sort of field, I guess. Did you find that conversation hard to kind of say to them, I really need to stand my ground and I know what I'm capable of completing in the next four weeks? And they will have to wait because I'm guessing there's a lot of people that would have said yes and tried to work out how on earth they would fit it into their life and their business life and it perhaps having a really negative Mm. impact on everything. So I think that ability to say, no, this is where I'm at and I can help you, but it will be in four weeks time Mm. is a massive thing. And it certainly hasn't always been like that. I think I absolutely 
would say yes to everyone when I was doing the business as a full-time gig, partly financially that, you know, I needed to take on work. I took on any sort of work, any industry, whether it interested me or not. And the big red flag or alarm bells was working with any client that made contact thinking, you know, and even if you sort of had an initial conversation, you're like, oh, I don't know if we're going to gel or I don't know if our working styles are quite well matched, I would still say yes. And I think the financial impact of that is not only that you're potentially overloaded, is that there's a massive amount of scope creep that things take longer. There's things that are added in and you're working all hours in tight turnarounds to get things done. And that would, the flow on effect would, you know, be on looking after kids and then having to work very late at night when the kids were in bed to try and get jobs done. And I think now I've got a lot more confidence to go, well, if it's not this project, there'll be another one. It doesn't have to be, you know, if it doesn't work for me, then, you know, it's not a great fit. And I think that's one of the reasons we all get into business, isn't it? That we sort of, we all say, oh, you know, we want more flexibility and to be able to do things on our own terms. And and I didn't feel like for a long time I was, that I was just saying yes to people to make clients happy. And then I'd be sort of that, the swan, you know, keeping all things cool above the and water. And then paddling frantically, yeah, to try and keep up. So I think I've had a few examples of projects that have either just, you know, the time has blown out or they've wanted extra things thrown in there. And you're sort of like at the end of the day going, gee, I've spent a lot of time on this and out of hours, which if you were working in retail or something, you'd be a time and a half. Yes, and, some. and I was, yeah, and I was, you know, away from my kids. And the whole idea of having the business is to be more flexible and be available on my terms. And so it's taken a little while to get there, but now I'm more than happy to stick to my guns in terms of my boundaries. And also, I think one of the things I've loved, which has surprised me, is also helping other copywriters to facilitate work and growing those networks. And sometimes that is passing off work to somebody else when the time frame or the project doesn't fit. So I'm proud of all of that, that that's that I can hold my ground now. I think it needs, a lot of people would see that as, I don't want to work with that client, that project must be terrible. But I think we need to flip that around Mm. and say, Mm. I can't work with that client right now. The project is great. It's just not great for me. Mm. It could be great for someone else. So Mm -hmm. I think it's great that you've got that network that you can refer work to because you don't know when that will also happen in reverse. And somebody else's client that they can't potentially work with could be your next project that is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. There's an example of of something that I I thought I would love a few years ago and it was um, really high-end travel and talking about holiday destinations and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, gee, that sounds great. I'd love to, you know. And then I had the client for about six months and we got along quite well and we're still delivering regular work. And I just knew how hard it was for me. I'm not a real, I guess my writing style is not super fluffy and descriptive and coming from a corporate businessy background, I'm really nail that sort of stuff and making things plain English. So then to turn around and do really quite creative writing, really, I actually found it really hard. And I would spend so much more time working on these blogs than I'd sort of allocated. 
and in the end, it wasn't really financially doable. <laughs> in the end, I was spending so much time trying to nail it and make it really fluffy and creative and trying to get people to envisage drinking by the pool with a margarita. It was actually costing me money, really, because it was just taking me so long. And that wasn't anything to do with the client. That was totally me. And then I ended up being offered another client was scaling up and would like me to take on more work with them, which was a much better fit. I ended up phasing out with the travel client and moving that on to another copywriter who is nailing it. You know, so it's sort of like, even in my mind, I thought, oh, you know, all these things that I would love to write about. But in reality, it actually wasn't a great fit for me, but perfect for someone else. So I think as well, acknowledging that you can't be everything to everyone as well. There are heaps of great copywriters around. So, so when you are faced with those decisions and whether that's a client decision, a financial decision, a business decision, I guess without having managers and bosses and team members, how do you or who do you go to for that advice or sounding board, I guess? Sometimes family are not the best people to ask if they don't run a business, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. (laughs) And and sometimes friends, if they don't run a business, they sometimes don't get all those things that we worry about as a business owner. So who do you turn to in in those times? I definitely think in the last few years, having built my networks both sort of in person in my sort of local area, my, my regional city, and also online sort of networking groups and being able to ask those questions without fear of people going, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? Because everyone's in, the, in a similar sort of boat. So I guess with the online groups that I'm a part of, one is specific to copywriters and editors called Freelance Writers and Friends. We often will just ask each other, again, as a bit of a sounding board to go, hey, this is what's happening. I'm thinking I might do this. What do you reckon? You know, just to be able to say other similar businesses that have been in that scenario before. So you get very specific copywriting advice, which is great. Also, the She Will Shine Women's Business Network, which is Australia-wide but has many, many industries involved. So copywriters plus lawyers plus product retailers, bookkeepers, just having that sounding board again to sort of go, this is where I'm at in my business. I'm struggling with this or to even just be inspired what other people are doing. And and that might sort of conjure up ideas for what I might want to do or seeing people that are a bit further ahead as business owners and sort of going, oh yeah, okay, I can reach for this or I can plan to maybe go bigger or better or, or whatever that success looks like. So yeah, and also just having a couple of really lovely copywriters and clients that are near me in Wollongong and we do the odd coffee catch up and just go, hey, what's going on? What are you working on? What interesting stories have you got? I also edit a magazine as well. So I'm always interested in hearing what clients people have at the moment and see if there's a good story in there for our lifestyle magazines. So I think it's really important to stay connected with people when you're in business, particularly like you said, because you're not always, although with the best of intentions, <laughs> family and friends can't always offer you Sometimes it's just yeah. uh, <laughs> not the desired uh, <laughs> result that, that we're looking for. Sometimes it's just nice, like you said, to have that sounding board mm. and just think, I am making a really big decision in my business, whatever that mm. is. I would like someone to just justify that I've thought things through. Yep. They don't necessarily need to agree with me, 
It's just about have mm. I thought about all the steps in the process or the pros and cons and all of that along the way. And speaking yeah, of absolutely. difficult decisions, mm. I wanted to touch base on something that you have gone through oh. in your business, which was around a competitor using your business name. Can you walk us through that? And first of all, how did you even know about it? And I guess kind of the, the implications of that process. Yeah, absolutely. So that was about three or four years ago. I was about to launch a new website. So I was talking to my graphic designer and, and web designer buddy, Ren from Gosh, and said, look, Ren, I'm looking to build a new website. I think I'm ready to invest the money to do it. And just as a bit of an aside, it was a really sort of left field question. She sort of said, oh, I wonder whereabouts does Oh My Word fit in Google search? And I thought, oh, I don't know. You know, it, just, it was a, just a bit of a, not a loaded question. It was just a bit of an aside question. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm not sure. And I said, I'll look into it. I'll get back to you. And then I've Googled Oh My Word. And then lo and behold, you know, I'm on the first page and for Australia and I might have actually put Oh My Word copywriter. And then up pops another Oh My Word copywriter that wasn't me. And I've just, my stomach has just sunk going, what is going on? And I've had a look at this website and they've basically added one extra word to the name and they were in a different state. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, you can't do that. Like, I was really surprised that the name had been permitted given it was so similar. Yeah, so close. But then, like, officially it was a different name, but on the website it was the same name. So it was sort of all in the detail, really. After pulling my you know, my jaw off the floor and going, oh my God, <laughs> what have I done wrong? What can I do? You know, this whole wallowing in fear of going, I don't know what to do and what am I going to say? And really trying to work out how to stand up for myself. This is probably after being in business 11 or 12 years with this business name. Yeah. And one of our mutual contacts is a intellectual property lawyer and trademark solicitor. And I emailed her with confidence, <laughs> just going, and her name is Kate too. And I said, okay, I don't know. Oh my God, this has happened. I don't know what to do. What do I do? Do I call them? Do I tell them to stop? Like, what do I do? And I was so fearful about, well, one, even to have the conversation with this person, but it was sort of this line in the sand where I've gone, you know what? I've gotten this business name to be really well regarded and people know me and they know it's my business. And I'm like, you know, sort of, sort of this moment of going, uh, uh-uh, uh, not on my watch, you know. So it was sort of like this time when I was like, right, this is happening. I'm going to, I'm really going to dig my heels in and fight for all the things that I'd built in my business. The best way for me to do that was to have someone else handle it. I just don't think I was, yeah, ready to do, do it myself, but was more than confident to get that professional help and to get someone else to liaise on my behalf, which they did successfully. I guess the financial kicker in that was that I ended up trademarking the name and the whole process cost nearly about $4,000. So sort of the cost of my website, new website and some, which was a huge knock to my business. Like I wasn't, you know, like particularly with income, it was sort of like 4K could be like two months worth of projects. Or, you know, like it could have been, it was quite a big chunk out of my budget. Well, one that I hadn't 
tactic for. Like I just had but not. Would you change no, it though? Not Looking at back all. Now, would you change um, the fact that you went down that path and you did stand up for for your business that you'd you'd spent so many years building? Would you change it? Would you change it? No. I know. No. In short, no. I wouldn't. And I think as well, it really you fired me. Fired me up. I was like, no ways. You know, like I. I had worked so hard to get to where I was and I thought, you know what, if I'm serious about this business, this person has been using this business name for three months versus 12 years. I was like, <laughs> no, it's a good one. I'm not having it. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, it was really, really, he's not having it. So it was very stressful. It's still, yeah, there's still a couple of things that pop up every now and again. And, and basically with trademarking, the onus is on the business owner to keep checking every so often, you know, like it's, there's no guarantees that someone else won't pop up and do something similar as well. But now I feel like it is business. I try not to get emotional about these sorts of things. Unlike the first time, I just go, you know what? No, that's not going to happen. You know, it's my business. I've worked hard for it. And yeah, I'm just going to bring and in I the help, the, thing. It's the professional help to, when I need it. The only way you can sometimes emotionally detach from those decisions is knowing that someone else is going to deal with them for you. So what's the point in wasting those emotions when someone else has already Mm -hmm. got it under control? So totally get where you're coming from. I'm so happy that you stood up for yourself. I'd be the same. I'd be like three months, not a chance, mate, not a chance. Um, (laughs) Me too. But it's taken me, funnily enough, taken me that long now. To now get the there new website up and running, so Ren and I we are back on track. We're doing that now. So speak <laughs> so, yeah. about those moments That's in business right. where you do perhaps have that unexpected financial outlay that you have to have. There's often some times in business where you think, "I don't want to do this anymore." You're often on your own. You're dealing with, you know, maybe a, a project didn't go to plan. You didn't make the profit that you needed. Have you had those moments? I mean, you've been in business for a long time. Surely somewhere along the way, it hasn't all just been smooth sailing. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's totally the case. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other episode. How long have we got? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Certainly had difficult clients, people that, oh, you know, I should have gone with my gut feeling from the beginning, but it was probably early days in going full-time in the business and, and feeling like I really needed just to take on all the projects, whatever was an offer, on offer. Then they've gone beyond scope. Um, I've spent way too much time on it and then financially, like, I've completely lost out. I had one client that refused to pay a final invoice. Luckily, he insisted on instalment payments along the way, but he didn't want to pay the last one. I won't even go into the details of why he didn't want to pay, but he didn't. And then when I, again, contacted sort of the professionals to go, look, what are my options here in terms of chasing this final invoice? They said, well, you can, and yes, you're entitled to it, but it's probably going to cost you more than the actual invoice. And I was like, It's the principle of the thing, right? And that still grates on me. But (laughs) I know, I know, totally. And all that's very disappointing and still irks me. But it may, that was the driver to make change and make things much clearer in terms of boundaries and terms and conditions and deposit and listening to my gut and going, you know what? I'm just not feeling like this is going to be a great fit. And I've ignored it a couple of times and then fast forward six months and I'm cursing myself. So again, I think that comes with time and 
confidence and yeah, and being able to yeah, and I think as long as you need to take a positive away. So we've all had moments where things haven't quite gone to plan, myself included, and we could sit there for the next six months and go, "Gee, that was a really shitty moment," and Mm. and that was really horrible. Or we could go, "It was horrible," and let's move on to something better and let's learn from it. Let's implement a process and do something else. So yeah, I think there's always two ways to look at it. As much as it sucks at the time, there's always something more positive we can think or feel about that same situation. So what does Oh My Word look like in the next 12 months? Do we have some different services, some different offerings? What's on the horizon? Any little snippets you can share with us? Mm. Uh I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Yes, there is. Yeah. One of the, um, and I guess it's very similar to the conversation we're having today, is that turns out over 16 years, I've got some advice to share. Um, and one of the new offerings in my business, which will probably be kicked off in January officially, is small business mentoring. So working with other small and micro businesses and sole traders and sharing my advice with them. So over sort of a structured program over three to six months, yeah, working on some of the pain points in their business and going, okay, well, how can we move forward? How can we do that? And putting structure in place that you're moving in the direction of things that you really enjoy and love with clients that you really enjoy working with rather than just being on that hamster wheel of doing the doing. So yeah, hopefully that will be, you know, I've, I work with quite a few businesses already in that space and it's just, as it's grown, I've just realized it's something I, I really enjoy doing. I love to chat and I love to talk about people's businesses and in sort of being, again, being that sort of sounding board and cheer squad to go, you know what, you've got this, we've got this, all the things we need to get yourself organized to see your business thrive oh, and amazing. Um, be everything that, that you want exciting. to be. So hopefully so January. I'm very excited about launching that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm going to hold you accountable to that one. I'm yes. your cheerleader. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> and okay. just before Excellent. we go, I wanted, there's two more questions if we've got time. So one of them is around an area that perhaps you mm-hmm. weren't overly confident in all that time ago when you started your business that perhaps now you've overcome or you're better at or you've put different processes in place. So is there something that you can share with us that perhaps you've worked on over the past 16 years to get a little bit better at that process? Yeah, definitely. I think with freelancers in general, not just copywriters, but lots of different freelancers, pricing oh, yes. always seems to be a bit of a sticky conversation. And it's one of those things as well that people aren't always super transparent with competitors as to how much do you charge or how much would you charge for this? It's all very a bit smoke and mirrors as to what people charge. And you sort of go, am I in the ballpark? Am I not? So certainly when I started, I was doing mates rates or giving free advice over a coffee and all that sort of stuff. And now I'm much more confident where you know, my price point sits. I'm not the cheapest. I'm not the most expensive. But I think from the feedback that I've had is that when you sort of look at the amount of time, potentially you would do the copywriting on a website yourself. It's actually a great investment to outsource that to me and you get a great experience and lots of chats and humor along the way. So yeah, I think, you know, similar in terms of me spending money on accounting software or a bookkeeper, I know that that's a good investment. So with confidence, I can now say, you know what? If you outsource your copywriting needs to me, 
I know it's and a, I think a good investment. And half the time it's business. relaying that. Yeah, it's so, being able to relay that. Yeah, so that's with the, the pricing, yeah. Rather than just reeling off. A lot of people have this elevator pitch Correct. to say, I'm a copywriter Absolutely. and I write really good copy. And you know, obviously that's not a great elevator pitch, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's no feeling in it and there's no mm. emotion and there's no benefit <laughs> for the end user. But they've got this amazing 30-second mm. elevator pitch. And so I think it's great that you've got that thought process of what is the client going to get out of working with you and what benefit can they receive? Because I think that's what a lot of people miss. And lastly today, I really want to touch on what does becoming financially fit mean to you? Obviously, this is something that is close to my heart and we want everyone to really have a great healthy relationship with their numbers and their business financials. So I guess what, how would you see that phrase? meaning to you? Yeah, I think it really resonates for me because I think in the past, particularly when I started the business, money and my business finances used to be probably one of the biggest stress points in for me in terms of even money growing up or when I first started working, I've always found budgeting and all that sort of stuff quite stressful. But once it was effectively demystified and I had that knowledge and tools and all that information I needed to operate a business effectively, it just became another task. There's no emotional attachment. And I think that for me has been the biggest shift, not feeling like stressed or worried or, or nervous about it. It's just another list in my things to do to, to duck back in, do my reconciling of you know my accounts and sending my invoices. Like that, it's, it's not a big deal for me now. Whereas I know even like six years ago or 10 years ago, it was such a different mindset I had around my finances. Yeah. And that I I just don't have that emotional weight anymore about it. It's been such a game changer on this sort of path to becoming financially fit. I still think I've got a lot to learn, but yeah, it it certainly doesn't have that stress and negativity attached to it as it it once did. Um, And what a ride, Kate. I can't thank you enough for sharing your journey with us on today's episode. From a small suggestion back in 2004, just to get an ABN, to still be in business 16 years later, having clients waiting to work with you and being comfortable to ask for help along the way is such an achievement. You know I hate secrets and I can't wait to see you launch your business mentoring services. I think it will just be fabulous. And I promise I will triple check the spelling on the show notes before releasing them to everyone when the podcast goes live. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. (laughs) Thank you, Stacey. I hope you've loved listening to today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast. We are all at different stages in our business life, at different levels in our money confidence, and we all have different needs. However, our goals are all along the same path. To learn, to grow, and to succeed in our journey of becoming financially fit. For more tips and advice, you can follow our journey on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Healthy Business Finances, or you can also search all episodes of our podcast at www.becomingfinanciallyfit.com.au.